Hello and welcome to Spoilerama. I'm Mick Jordan. And I'm Marina Gorski. And today on a special edition, we're going to discuss The Breakfast Club, which is a film that both Marina and I are quite passionate about for different ways. And as a result of that, we have a mediator to save us from tearing each other apart. Stephen Benedict is a lecturer in film, a writer, a fellow podcaster, a regular contributor to High Noon with George Hook. He's just come from there, in fact. And an award-winning filmmaker. You're very welcome, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you very much for that introduction. That's very generous. Are you looking forward to casting your opinion? on? You have strong opinions on Breakfast Club as well. well yeah, both pro and con. You know, I, oh, I, good. I That's a perfect sure mediation. That I made sure that I watched it last night. Right. And it brought back some memories, some very nice yeah. memories. And then I went, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, that happened to me as well on the Thursday. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, you're kind of like. I, mm. I bet I can guess what that was because some of it is very. We were talking about political correctness earlier on. Some of it is very un PC for modern audiences. Yeah, I, I think that's in a way it's a good thing because it lets audiences, especially teenagers now, to to see how much have changed. I mean, yeah. I don't think you could actually have a character using the word faggot yeah. in the show today, but it'd be recontextualized. People would audience, people, the audience would realize <clears throat> that's not a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was used as a very, very open epithet in The Breakfast Club. And I think um, Bender actually had it written on his locker. <laughs> open this and you die. Fag is written that at the was, bottom. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it was the ultimate insult at the time. Like it was, it was. considered an insult. It was an, and if you recall that, it wasn't that an outrageous thing to say. It was an outrageous thing to be called. Oh, right. Very, very and then novel. also when um, the, the, the teacher... Dick. <laughs> yeah, when that happens, when he's there saying to Bender all these things, I'm like, Jesus. Imagine a, a film about that now. Like, you can't. No, yeah. but also, another thing was that uh, when he comes back in, he's been outside in his office for a couple of hours, whatever. He comes back and he says, okay, girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's really sort of military type thing. It's actually correct for two people. <laughs> the other three, he's actually trying to demean them, and therefore you realize. It's a bad thing to be a girl. Yeah. So if you look at a show like Glee Girls mm-hmm. today, you see how much it's changed. But I think also how much of a groundbreaker The Breakfast Club was. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Why you don't think oh, so? I disagree completely. <laughs> I, just, I hate the film. I really... And I mean, what was interesting, because we were reviewing um, Their Finest last week, and I had seen it in the festival and did not like it at all, but then um, decided to watch it. That's and what I was fact, thinking. I was like, I hope he watches it again. Well, and the same thing that happened with the fi- Their Finest happens now, where he's like, oh, you know what? Actually, I like this film. Well, Clearly, that I didn't happen. It was Jeanette, a friend of mine in Australia, and she actually emailed me to say she loves The Breakfast Club as well. So I said, oh, this might change my mind on this. And I watched it because, no, it's even worse than I thought. It's so bad. I just think it's so cliched. It makes Ben. Every character is a caricature stereotype. Bender is obnoxious. Is he and he's so nice? No, but he's supposed to be like an offensive character. But he's just he's supposed to be this cool rebel sort of thing. And I said, no, he's just a dickhead. And he is. And I know the whole thing. Oh, he has the background. He's abused at home and so on. But that just feels so trite to me yeah but it does happen it still oh, happens I know, today I know. there are yes. kids that are like that like there are mm. these even when I was in sec- uh, like secondary school is that what you call it here yeah in Brazil or whatever you had the little groups it was the cool group Oops. it was oh, yeah. it was the weirdos that studied all the time and there are these stereotypes and 
groups don't mix. That's right. Yeah. You had the so, and the jocks. Yeah. The, the dudes and the stoners and the pretty girls and the geeks. And, and the rebels who didn't go to class and slept yeah. in class and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I think maybe what today would be is that the characters would be much more articulate in expressing their suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I remember when I saw the movie in the cinema in 1985, it was really, really raw. Very, very raw. Because, you know, I hadn't seen teenagers in movies outside of the Goonies, right? Okay. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause was the 1950s. Um, so I was seeing myself on screen. Right. And they were articulating to the point of crying. Yeah. That's what I feel like. My parents are ignoring me. I, I'm not as cool as the other kids. I'm not as smart as the other kids. I'm not yeah. as strong as the other kids. I wish I could be as cool as Bender. Bender was the guy who stuck it to the man. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. but at the because I saw it in. Did you see it in the Adelphi? Yes, it was a Delphi tree. <laughs> we, all, we actually established for a conversation. We went to see Rebel Without a Cause in the Savoy on the same day because it's right. only ever been shown once. Nice. <laughs> Savoy so one. 15, 11, on a Friday night, Friday night, and everyone came from the pub and into see Rebel Without a Cause, and we were both there that night. Yeah. But speaking, of, not I think in it's a, not in 1955. <laughs> I'm hasten to add that, but we're there in 1985, mm -hmm. and I went to see it, really looking forward to it. Because uh, the Breakfast friend, Club, the Breakfast okay, Club, yeah. and for that very reason, I said this is going to talk to me in the whole lot as well. And I said, no, this is all cliched. I don't even like these the people, even at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that annoyed me more than anything else, and still does, is what they do to the Ali Sheedy character. Yeah. Because I actually was I watching know. it. Oh, the girl. Yeah, yeah I kind of. That's that's one of the. I that's what we No, I know. I loved her in it, but that's yeah. where I went. Really yeah, strange. because your your woman just takes. It. Oh, here, you yeah. don't be yourself. Be a pretty little girl, yeah, and now you got a boy, and, and there, you know. Me, and that's me. No. It's the whole message of the film for me. It's basically say, "Oh, let's tap yeah. into rebellious youth, but keep them controlled." Like, let's show, "Oh, yeah, we know your pain." They did it in the fifties with Elvis films. Oh, sure. So they're yeah. doing it again in the eighties. They do it every generation. But that whole thing, because Ali, if you actually just cut out everything except the Ali Sheedy moments up to that point, it would be a great short because she's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. She is very funny. Yeah. Illustrating yeah. the painting with her dandruff. I know. Like but I also love the great. moment where she goes, and she suddenly just <laughs> she sinks forward on, onto, the, onto the table and her big hoodie hood comes up like Cartman in South Park. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was really, Yeah. Really well, I love her dance right at the end. She just goes like, Oh, yeah. And then she falls in the bar and she stays there. I've actually got um, the Blu-ray copy of it and there's a special uh, commentary running by the actors. And uh, the actors afterwards said that Ali Sheedy actually was the best dancer of the lot. Okay. She did right. dance the best. I yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, Emilio asked if I thought it wasn't really a dance. That was sort of um, a fitness routine. Oh, yeah. that was so stupid. Yeah. Well, ben oh. Bender is just sort of writing that big art artwork. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the youngest actress was um, Molly Ringwald. And she was yeah. dancing the way actually I knew girls of my age were dancing. Yeah, I know. I was watching it. I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, oh my God, my mom still dances like that. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Well, it is cool, I really but I'm just like the way she watching it. It's a Jane Fonda workout. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> but Ali Sheedy's actually expressing herself. But you're right. Yeah. I thought that was the, that was a really really bad moment, and I think it reflects poorly on John Hughes as a director. Mm -hmm. And you know he got the actors to improvise a lot on on the set. Like he, he apparently he wrote the script in a couple of days, which it means shows. he wrote the idea and he got the actors to improvise it. But he really had no handle on her character at all. Mm. And as you said, all she has to do is put her hair back put on some white clothes as opposed to dark and depressing. Yeah.
bit of makeup bit of makeup and smile and yeah. you get a girl it's interesting um brian's character doesn't go for a makeover andrew doesn't go for a makeover and bender doesn't go for a makeover and i thought that was that's the part that i well i also thought as well it kind of represents her character in a way because the whole film is that she doesn't know what she wants you know the yeah. whole time she's there she says one thing she doesn't really mean to no i actually you know, yeah. didn't have sex. I'm a compulsive liar. I'm do this, that, and I do, like you know. She's just so cool, that, and like. But and that's where she's being very fun because she's the way she even says that, where she says, "I'm an infomaniac," like, yeah. and then she just pauses. Says, I'm not an infomaniac. <laughs> I'm a compulsive liar, and I just cracked up and said that. But I think know, she's fun, really yeah, funny. And even this is the sexual taboo wouldn't work today. Yeah, it was okay. So you, you know, you had sex. Okay, that's fine. Was it a healthy experience for you? <laughs> yeah, and he goes, okay, great, moving on. Yeah. But now, it was such a taboo, and I think it was funny the way Brian says, I don't want Claire to know that I'm, I'm a virgin. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's a still a guy thing. That's a very, very big thing for Oh, yeah. Guys. Well, and certainly at that time, for and me, particularly in America. a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, revelations <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> this will not be censored. It's all gone out as recorded. Um, but I would say on that, yes, there was that taboo that they were all very conscious but even at the time I, see my reaction on seeing it because I watched it again last week was very much the same as it was in 1985 I do remember having the same reaction to all this this is all cliche they're all stereotyping caricatures and that whole thing about you were very aware of in the 1980s American teenagers were all about sex and so on and saying we're, they we're still cool are oh, yeah, that's high school high school there it's a, but even when I was in Brazil in high school I remember Every day, you know, at some point, a conversation about sex would come up. Mm. And I remember talking to my friends and they'd go out. I, I hated going out to clubs, you know, underage and all that stuff. And they used to think it was so cool. And I remember a guy asked me, one of our friends, say, so you're still a virgin? It's like, I'm only 17. Mm. I don't need to, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think you ever do need to. But I mean, <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, <laughs> what's the problem with it? Yeah, yeah and I'm happy, thanks. <laughs> You know, and it was just a, a thing like, oh, my God, I can't believe you haven't had sex. And I'm like, well, if I do. And like she says, if I do, I'm a slut. Yeah. It's, yes, it's a double bind. You know, yeah. and it's and, and that is. That. Yeah. And that is still present well, today. Be, yeah. yeah. Which is. He, he, he nails that that angle. Yeah. Pretty well. But may, coming back to your idea of a stereotype, you know, teenagers love groups because it makes them feel belonged. Oh, yeah. So yeah. We want to be stereotypes, but we want to be individuals within the stereotype. Yeah. Oh, no, I'd accept that. I mean, they are recognisable, but it's the very fact that they, they feel like he's just picked one character from each group and sure. put them all in together and they're all segueing into yeah. their allotted roles. And, I mean, I keep coming back to the Ali Sheedy character, but it's just, it's like you said, he had no idea what to do with her. Mm. So she does nothing for about 40 minutes before she even speaks. Mm. But well, she's I there. Well, that was a clever thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think a lot of it is down to her. Ali Sheedy herself does it so well. You're oh, very aware of her. And there's one scene where um, Judd Nelson produces the knife yeah. and stabs it down in the table. And she just, and then you just see her. And it's, it's I wonder brilliant. if that's improvised because there's no reference to it again. <laughs> it's just something you just see her. <laughs> and I, at the time, I do remember well, it is, loving that. It's not time. a reference, but at the at, towards the end when she steals Brian's um, wallet, that's mm. when you, when she says, "I'm a thief." Oh yeah. So yeah, then you kind of. Oh yeah. 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 Just her hand coming in, except us. Yeah. 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 But there was also because you mentioned the knife. Uh, one moment that really worked for me was when suddenly 
we realised why Brian was in detention because he had a gun in his locker. Yeah. And in 2015, it's a completely different connotation from what it was in 1985 because Columbine had not had not happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, really is upsetting to to remember going, God, I missed that. I just, I lived through that moment sitting there in the cinema and going, oh yeah, he's got a gun, so what? Yeah. Before I went to see it, a friend of mine had seen it and was mentioning that moment. But for the comic. Fact okay. that it turns out to be a flare, flare gun. gun yeah. <laughs> and he just yeah, yeah, yeah. says, and he tries to get himself with a flare gun, yeah. and this is it. So but we've never thought of it as anything but like that. But you have to think as well; it's very um, actual. Can you say that, like modern? Mm-hmm. Because watching that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is how bullying starts." Oh, they are you. so mean, and yeah. I think he did that very well. The way that, like, kids are like that. Yeah, yeah. They are, they are just so, so mean, and the way they cry and the emotions and everything. And I just love the way they said. You know, Brian says, "Well, what about Monday when we come back to school?" That was really, yeah. and you're, and as much you know, and and Bender calls her a bitch, whatever. But she was right. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, we're not. Yeah, I'm but, not going to talk yeah, to you. On because Brian says you're so conceited, Claire. Yeah, but it's the truth. I mean, yeah. there, there are people you always look up, look up to in school, and as a teenager, you usually looked up to the prettiest people. That's yeah, well, the coolest people that you know yeah. go well, out. Even mm. if they weren't cool, if they were pretty, they got away with so much more. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well I mean, and for the fellas it was if they were cool or hard like the jocks, basically. I think that applies just as much here as it did in America. Mm-hmm. Then, like I went to rugby school, it was all the rugby players were the heroes of the hour or whatever. Yeah. Well, it was also the badass in high school. Um, I had two, well, two of my best friends were actually in the group of the cool people, right. but they were my friends yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. And I remember there was a school, um, like actually attached to our school. So it was two different. It was uh, just a high school school. Mm-hmm. So um, her, their their cool friends were also in the other school. And I remember coming out of the school one day with them. And this girl that was their friend just said, is she always following you guys? And I'm like, shut up. Like, oh, really? So I'm one, oh, she's, she, she's, she's your follower, isn't she? Yeah, I'm, I'm follow my friends. <laughs> how, how did your friends react? Did they stand up? Yeah, no, my, my, well, my best friend said, what are you talking about? It'd be shattering just to realize you're in love. You do yeah. Love. Yeah, oh, she's your I mean, follower. She's your wannabe yeah. kind of thing. You're just tolerating yeah. rather than wanting. In the, in, the, in the movie where he says, you know, if you disappeared, no one would miss you. Do you remember he says that? Oh, who's that, who's that, that broke my heart. So you can't say that to people. Um, uh, Is that to teach To Bender. That? No, Andrew says to and Bender. Andrew says to Bender, you could disappear and no one would miss you. Yeah, do you not remember? He said, why are you here? Who's that? Andrew is the... The Sporto. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I couldn't imagine any of the others saying it to him. It yeah. would be him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does, and he does say some really harsh things to him. But that's because Bender is such an—he's doing this bravoro, mm. obnoxious git act the whole time that I would probably say the same thing to him as well. And then that's why I'm saying he was just wrecking my head the whole way through. That okay, yes, he has all these issues, and yes, he's suffering the whole lot, and I can understand. But he—he he wasn't sympathetic to me. He looked too tough in himself. I couldn't imagine. That and I think a lot of it's down to Judd Nelson himself. He just looks like a strong person that he could not take all that, but he would be able. I don't know how to try and say it. it's just I can imagine that person who is going through all that wouldn't be like that. If you see what I mean, it's I don't think the background that there was in that he's abused well, because I know there are a lot of people who strike yeah. out and lash out like that. It happens all the time. They're really bad. First. But they he didn't. There would still be more fun. Actually, a good example is Tomato Red. The okay. guy in Tomato Red. Have you seen Tomato Red? It's a really good film. And there is a guy in that, the main character, I've forgotten his name now, but he is someone who's just out of prison and he's one who's been dropped on all his life and he has this hard shell 
exterior, but you can see the vulnerability in him. You right. see, he desperately wants well, he, to belong. Yeah, but he's also, but he's not as tough as him. Like yeah. he, he went to prison because of something stupid. Yeah, it wasn't like, um, you know, this guy who's like his dad treats him like crap or whatever. I think but there it's is that different kind of. He's used to rejection all his life. Like when he does get shot on or by other people he just takes it and just says oh this is normal well people are, all um, are different Mick right okay <laughs> okay Let me just, I just want to pick you up there on um, uh, something you said and just reminded me of the, the Bowie song the quote that opens the film I mm-hmm. think the oh, yeah. opens in a very very strange way it begins about five times you've mm. got the opening credits with Simple Minds yeah. You Forget About Me and then towards the end of the credits it's really strange because they give you a quote from a Bowie song with Simple Minds singing over the quote, which is really, for yeah. me, just doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you're going to do that, why not use Bowie? Now, maybe they couldn't get the rights to them, yeah. or they decided, we're going to get Simple Minds because they're a hot English band, we can pop them on MTV and can get the, the, the time. Yeah, it's way. MTV they were thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. but it was strange because they're using, the, as I said, the lyrics by, you're hearing Simple Minds singing, and then you start to read Bowie's lyrics. Mm. And it's from the song Changes. And I think that would be a perfect title for the movie. Yeah. Now, it doesn't really work because The Breakfast Club is, is a cool title. It's a great title. But um, there's a, he says, and these children uh, that, that you spit on as, you, as they try to change their yeah. world, they're immune to your consultation. They're quite aware of what they're going through. It was a really, really well-chosen um, quote. But in actual fact, Bowie had to change it because the, the RCA record company wouldn't allow him to say what he wanted to say, which is, and these children that you shit on. Oh wow! Yeah. Which makes much more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, been, you know, just sort of, it's much more angry. Yeah, you know. But um, it's much more also long. then that the the movie then begins with all the kids arriving in the school. So that's the second time it begins. Yeah, yeah. And it begins again when the teacher comes in. And I just thought they had a little bit of a problem in starting the film. It's like it was like the car that wouldn't start. And another thing, just as a, as a minor thing, um, it's an incredibly hard film to edit. Um, because the editor, Dee Dee Allen, she's an amazing editor. She, she cut Bonnie and Clyde. She also edited The Hustler. It's a fantastic movie with Paul Newman playing the, uh, the pool player. She also edited Reds, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm. But um, she started off as a sound editor okay, before she went into picture editing. And if you look at the movie, there's very, very few sound cues in the film. It's all dialogue driven. And because they're in the library, there's no background sound. And so early on the film, I was sitting there going, God, there's, it's lacking energy. There's not... There's no things happening. Now, if you're to make the movie today, you would have, obviously, uh, iPhones and music being played and people's headphones and stuff like that, which would give you background noise. But it was really hard to generate energy in the film because there's no sound. But isn't that kind of, as well, the whole intention of it? Because it's a detention room. It's supposed to be boring. It's eight hours in that room. And it's just... they're supposed to just reflect on their issues. No, sorry. I mean, I meant that as a compliment. Oh, good. Okay, okay. It's really hard to edit that film because there's no... You can't create energy because the energy is not there on the screen. Just Mm. the actors. And when they go quiet, it's deathly quiet. You've got to have four four or five seconds of complete silence before the person gives their response to you cut to somebody else. It's not like you can... You know, if, if the movie were set in the street, you could have voices and cars going by. So mm. that was a real challenge, but I think it was a really, really well edited picture. And I, I also heard that there's a three-hour version. Oh, of sweet the film. Jesus! Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting. I we be can do that. Say. We can both watch a three-hour version. <laughs> well, well, no, no one has seen it apparently. But the, Diddy Allen, the editor, said, "No, cut that, cut that, cut that," and she cut it yeah. into 90, 94 minutes. 
Well, I mean, that, well, she cut it well, because that's what I would say. One thing I will say, but it's never boring or slow. Like, it certainly yeah, slips along, long. given the context of what it is. Like, I mean, I do remember yeah. it's on everyone. I lost it at critics pointing out it's not based on a play, though it could so easily have been. What's the attitude? But so I don't have any problem with it on the as a film entertainment basis to structure it's all structurally well but I my main issue is what I said earlier on is that it feels to me like it's catering to um, rebellious youth and calming it down like it's it's sort of yeah we know we have to entertain the kids sort of thing and that's like I said the Elvis films of the 50s Mm -hmm. oh this new thing rock and roll we don't know what it is quickly we just put out this saccharine film about it and it was the same thing with rap a few years later Mm -hmm. the way it was suddenly we're up the streets and then and then they say we know every generation there's going to be that moment so we'll just say yeah you can have your little rebellion but now you conform to the norm and that's what happens at the end that everyone is all happy they all go about their business they're best settled in and as you said the whole romances at the end make no sense to me um, I don't see Ali she or um, oh, Molly Ringwald and Judd Nelson get I together no attention. no I think it's you so set up you see her smiling at Judd Nelson quite a bit throughout the movie because he's the badass but she likes yeah. she yeah. likes that aspect of him. so you see her smiling and laughing at his jokes mm. it's not as if she's suddenly hey here's yeah. thing, wear it yeah, they sell well, it up. I even hated that, like given that the earring was gone. But uh, okay, well, I, I, I'm outnumbered here. But I will say, you have to agree with me. The whole Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy bit makes no sense because there's no contact between them really. Oh yeah, no, no, no. She no. emerges all in white and smiling, and angel. Even the soundtrack is angels singing at that point. And yeah, he just no, that was. Her and, and I say she looked so much better before. Yeah, and I actually one of the things I didn't really like, and that just, because they contradict themselves a lot throughout mm. when they have these little reflections and stuff, because mm. then it's, it's like up and down all the time. And one of the things I did not like was at the end after they were all dancing and stuff, and they sat down and they just turned to Brian. So will you do the essay? <laughs> As in the way of saying, yeah, Molly, no, you see, you're the smartest one. Terrence is one who asks him. Yeah, because she's the in the, the mind of the movie, she's the prettiest. That's why he says yes because he yeah. does. He looks up to her, yeah. although he says you're so conceited, Claire. I think he does it because I mean, look, I've fallen for that trick a thousand times as a teenager. There's a girl you don't like her because she's you never you can never touch her because she's always the prettiest. And then all of a sudden, you ask your favor and go, of course, what I'll do? What, what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> yeah, you know. So that that thing, but it was also there's a there's a scene where Ali Sheedy has her moment. Because they're all given their moments, and she yeah. she becomes upset, and then Emilio Estevez comes over to him and says, "Do you want to talk?" And he delivers the line so badly. <laughs> this is like a teacher or a parent talking to a teenager. It's not in that. It's written badly, and the emotional tone was completely wrong. And that's where I flinched again. I said, "That's not real." And the thing is, there are certain points in the film that feel emotionally real, and so when they miss the mark, they really it's a clangor. Yeah, you know. I think another one that they don't need at all I don't think they needed the drug sequence where they smoked dope was just and there's a stupid scene where um, Emilio Estevez goes into an office and he smokes so much dope now this guy's a yeah, yeah yeah, and the room is just full Small. of smoke it's like 20 people and then he, he does his thing he, he goes back inside the room and he yells out loud and, and the, the window, window smashes. smashes oh the window smashes what was that about but that's that to me again epitomized it they were trying to be cool sure. because kids smoke dope and it was 
um, let's say, oh yeah, we know we know about grass mm. is basically what the directors have used to say. That's what it felt like. Mm. And then even the whole thing of, and then they all chill. And it just made no sense because how could they possibly get away with it? And the whole yeah. thing of like the smoke detectors and, and things sm- like that, and well, the well, smell. Well, and and sober up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much dramatic. yeah, and then they yeah. get really serious and profound suddenly afterwards as yeah. a result of smoke. Yeah. It's sending the wrong message, encouraging drug use. So I'm against it for that. Well, no, no, I'm not. I, being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, coming back to your idea that, or saying that you know, Bender is likable. I don't think any character has to be likable. They just have to be interesting. Yeah, I don't like. Oh, yeah. I actually, in, to be quite honest, I don't like any of them but um, what's her name Alice Alison. yeah um, but her because I think she's funny because the rest of them because they're all stereotypical or whatever yeah. just reminds me of everyone I've gone to school with <laughs> yeah, 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 they're yeah, like oh cool. I hate you guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> another thing that was you know I think they would definitely the scene may happen today but I think they'd film it completely differently is when um, Judd Nelson is supposed to be off in solitary confinement remember what's the name of the teacher Richard Dick <laughs> just I, know going I know the actor yeah. is Paul Gleason. Yeah. yeah, and um, so he's in his confine, and then he breaks out and he comes back into the library. And Gleason, uh, the teacher, comes in and he hides under the desk, and all of a sudden his head is between Claire's yeah. knees. Now you could still do that today, but you did not need that shot of her. And I just thought that was humiliating. I really yeah. thought that was humiliating. Well, I, 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 I was very aware of that, and I was saying that's of its time mm. like I mean you could get away with it you certainly couldn't do that now in a film it would just make him the most uh, uh, evil well, no, character you would have no, seen it's not so much the character it's the movie oh yeah it's showing yeah. that the yeah, yeah. The movie's point of view yeah just, just but it's pr- playing it as comic like almost like it's amusing yeah. that, that, I'm, yeah. I'm agreeing with you that it's yeah. wrong because it's saying oh he's, he's he's got this opportunity to look Right, but there. you do, you don't yeah. need the scene of her. You just no, you need don't. the oh, yeah. scene of him you could have had, no, looking at it. You would say exactly. You would have had a shot of his face going, "Oh my god!" Yeah, oh, yeah. the I, side I, just watching him there. Yeah. Him. yeah, and that would have been funny enough. But it just sort of diminished the joke. Oh, yeah. It? Oh no, it's it's like the, I'm very aware of things like that. There are scenes in that that you just would not get away with mm. today, and things like that. Like you mentioned the gun, and also the fact when he's talking to her first about and he's, he's abusing her basically mm. he's hurting abuse her and it's all sexual mm. comments he's making on her mm. and they're appalling and you say well, on the one hand of course that happens like there's no question yeah, yeah. people do that yeah. but in this film it's almost not condoning it but it's certainly not condemning it as much as it should I would say yeah but also you know we've got to give audiences day a lot of credit because they're much more self-aware they will be able to recognise what is condoned what isn't mm. condoned so the movie doesn't have to condemn it itself yeah do you know what I mean and if you're looking at Glee for example that show is so culturally sophisticated the language that the characters express as I said to you the way they, they express their suffering is a thousand times much more articulate than The Breakfast Club but The Breakfast Club opened the door but mm. even Claire's defense of herself was weak she did not express herself I think um I don't think she expressed herself authentically. It was just yeah. a, a plea. But then at the same time, I've got to remember this is 1985. Pretty girls weren't expected. Well, no one, no one no. really, like even talking to my parents and stuff, you didn't really tell people, listen, I, I'm not feeling well. You know, I'm kind of down or like I'm not in a very good place or whatever. Like mm. people do today. I know some people don't. And, you know, the way parents now are all about bullying and stuff yeah. and you're, yeah. you're, you're scared your child is going to, you know. And back then it was... 
you know, parents didn't really ask you about these things. There was there was a bit of a um, what you call a, a distance between. Yeah, you well, know. That's what Alison, so Alison Sheedy's character says they just ignore me. And I tell you what, I thought was really funny in the movie. I completely forgotten was the relation, the dynamic between the teacher and the janitor, Carl. Carl was the guy who was the coolest guy. I thought in the entire movie, and even as a teenager, I remember saying, "Wow, that guy's got it together." Well, he's most well adjusted. Yeah, yeah. Completely. And I do problems. love the fact because it's so true that he's the kind of he's the one that says, "Don't underestimate me. I know everything oh, yeah. about you guys and, and about the teachers and everything. Like right. he knows everything. Yeah. He can ruin everyone's <laughs> life in there." And the funny thing is, I think I could be wrong, but if you go back to the the beginning of the movie again, look at the opening montage of the the shots of the the school. And they introduce the characters before you see the characters. Mm-hmm. You sort of see the prom, the poster for the prom queen. You go, okay, that's... that's oh, yes, they do, yeah. There. And you've got the sport, the gym, and all that sort of stuff. And they've got a series of photographs that look like from a school yearbook. And it says Man of the Year. And I'm quite certain, if you look carefully, Carl... Is the janitor. The jan- <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch that again now. Yeah. Janitor. And I think... I, don't, I could be wrong, but I'll have to check it again just to do a comparison. Because the photograph would have been taken many, many years of earlier course, yeah. when he was younger. So he's now in his middle age. But it would be really, really good to see that that's what John Hughes is actually saying. It's people, kind of... Cer- good, yeah. People peak at different times. And Carl is peaking because at least he, he knows who he is. He's happy with his life. And he doesn't let anything phase him. He just lets it rub yeah. off because it's, mm. you know, I'm not... He's been there. He's yeah. n- He knows what that's like. And, yeah. you know, it's... I could uh, be wrong, but I'll have to check it again. Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. And another interesting side on that, they had planned to make sequels to The Breakfast Club over the years. Oh, thank God they didn't. And, well, I, don't I, they, no, I don't think it would work. I would. I think it would be interesting to see them generation every five or ten years or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it was just sort of reunions. But the reason they didn't was because um, John Hughes refused to work with Judd Nelson again. They did not get on right. during the film. This well, is, that's, I mean, that's a trivia on That's IMDb probably why he was such a, a rebel. A jerk, <laughs> yeah. But also, I think it would have been very, very hard to orchestrate a legitimate reason why they come back together. Yeah. 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 The moment of bonding isn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, I think a movie came out the next year, Stand By Me. Yeah. Fantastic film. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's a really, really fantastic movie. And that just shows how teenagers drift apart. Yeah. That you are together because you've no choice. You know, yeah. I'm next door mm-hmm. to you, you're wearing red, I'm wearing red, we've both got bikes. Hey, we're best of friends. Right? And yeah. then when you leave school you move you've nothing in common with them. And so I think the Breakfast Club would as as Brian says on Monday morning, we don't know each other. Yeah. And that, that did ring true. I will say that, that what he was saying there, that they wouldn't talk to each other again. But it didn't ring when he said as well, because, I mean, I consider you guys my friends. And I was going to say, yeah, you're the lowest of the low. Of course, you're going to look up and say, yeah. I want you to be my friends. Well, be friends. That, I didn't believe that line because mm. he says, you know, I didn't I didn't see a point where he where the movie visualised him feeling that they were suddenly his friends. All of a sudden, yeah. Brian just said it. Well, yeah, he really tries hard, though. Because yeah. even when at the beginning and they're like, yeah, but what do you do? What kind of clubs? And he's just there like, I do maths. <laughs> I do physics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's really club, trying to get club. in there. We sit around and but talk the, about physics. Actually, <laughs> the best joke of all, the absolutely best joke that I've completely forgotten was when um, they're going through his, his wallet and he says, uh, what do you want a fake ID for? And he says, to vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is and that, really yeah, because that's what, and it was one of those I was what? <laughs> it makes no sense, but it just feels so funny. It is, it is a very good line. And that was improvised. 
really? by Michael, Anthony Michael okay. Hall, apparently. Most of that conversation in that, like you said, he said he just wrote an idea yeah. and an awful lot of it was improvised. Yeah. So Anne Ali Sheedy herself said that he had instructed her, I want you to go to bed and wake up as Alison. And she said, oh, I'm already Alison. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but also the ages, because I think they were in their 20s, weren't they? Some of them. They Judd were. Would have been. Yeah, the, Judd Nelson was the oldest. I think yeah. he was 24 or 26 oh, even. Yeah. And so was Estevez. And Molly Ringwald was, was of age. She was 17 or yeah. something like that. So. And that was another reason is that um, uh, she made um, she'd made 16 Candles. With, with Hughes as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, although he didn't direct it, Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. Did yeah. he not direct it? Or well, he, he wrote it at least. Howard Dutch, I think, directed that. Okay. He wrote it. And but they had a falling out, um, John, John Hughes and her, yeah. Because understandably, okay. she says, Okay, well, look, I'm an adult now, I want to make movies about adult, yeah, characters. yeah. And um, within two years, I think she within a year, she was offered the script to Blue Velvet. Oh my god, and her mum read it and she said, There's no way my daughter's doing this, but it's, you know, it's fine, yeah. It would have been interesting, it would have it been, been yeah. fascinating, <laughs> and and the thing was because she was at the time. And it just shows how brief these things last. She was the queen of Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I've seen with the Breakfast Club and with Pretty in Pink. She was just That's the right. ultimate superstar yeah. for one year. They disappeared completely but you after that. Then in the mid nineties, it happened with Alicia Silverstone. Yes, Great Clueless. I haven't seen Clueless. I know. No, this no. Clueless is fantastic. Okay, now Clueless that, is good. It is a good TV that's, film. That's what I mean by um, uh, uh, teenagers being really, really articulate. Mm-hmm. And very, very ironic because you know the irony wasn't really tri- wasn't really present in the Breakfast Club. Their sense of irony, their sense of awareness, their self awareness, it begins really with Clueless. Clueless yeah, is Clueless is very much that. It's so okay. Spot on that. Okay, well, we're coming to a close now, so <laughs> I think we're all in agreement that none of us have changed our minds. No, <laughs> no, it's kind of like I mean, the film. It's a bit pointless. <laughs> like it goes nowhere <laughs> really. It's a pointless film. <laughs> No, I mean, you've made some very good points to me and I take up everything, but I still feel how I feel. And I would I would actually would still watch it again because of Lady Sheedy character. I just really like her in it, but everything else. Well, Mike, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to turn up on Saturday morning at seven o'clock and write a thousand word essay about the breakfast. Club. I know how I feel. And then I will just do exactly what they did. <laughs> just say, if you think I need to write this for my short opinion. That's not a thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one person wrote it. It was supposed to be five. But I tell you, the worst cliche in the movie was the freeze frame at the end. Yes. Oh, oh, putting the hand yeah. in the air, putting the fist. Yes, it was out of rhythm. They froze yeah. the frame, but it was, again, it's... Oh, it's crap. It's <laughs> funny, yeah, but the, here's the thing. It's it's. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say that was pointless as well. Yeah, I thought yeah. there was no reason for that. It could have just finished with, I don't know, them all Some leaving. Walking. Okay. Well, we'd like to say thank you once again to our special guest, Stephen Benedict. Thank you um, for um, He just came from, from George Hook's show to be with us, so we're oh, very grateful get, for that. him a free plug. <laughs> <laughs> You can listen to George Hook online. You can find him at www. <laughs> well, we will give Stephen up a plug and that his film Poison Pen is now available on Amazon Prime and highly recommend that too. And I think we should end this film because we've mentioned the song a number of times. So I think we should play it out with the classic <clears> song from the film that everyone loves. Don't you forget about me. Enjoy. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. I'll be alone, dancing, you know it, baby. Tell me your troubles and doubts, giving me everything inside. No, I'm singing the whole thing now. Oh, no. <laughs>
Can we get to na 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 na? Yes, yes. Nah. Can we not? We get at the beginning. Dun bum. Isn't that the way it starts? Right. Na 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 na. See, you got it right now. Yeah, I know, isn't it? That's the best part of the song. Ooh, ooh. There we go.